Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Hello and welcome to Discographology, the podcast where we sing the many praises of the music that we love. How is everyone? Good. You guys in there? I'm here. I'm all right. Pretty Surviving. good. Pretty. Okay. Pretty good. D- Josh, are, are are you ready to get your identity stolen? What? What? My identity did is you, getting stolen? Did you hear about, uh, I guess, a bunch of Missouri teachers had their, uh, their social security oh. numbers basically uh, well, just I, available well i that already happened to me last year we could talk about that another time but <laughs> yeah let's uh whole yeah thing. nobody We're needs to know about that back to music don't don't put my identity out there for people to steal oh is his his, his socials out there just tell us your social real quick uh, it's four eight <laughs> okay as always thanks for joining us <laughs> we are a music podcast uh, with the Halloween season dead and buried, we've moved on to the next phase, and that's my season two choice. And as Bla- as Blake's pick was Fiona Apple, which I highly recommend you listen to if you have not had the chance. But before we reveal my choice for the next deep dive, we will proceed with our pregame episode entitled Top of the Mom and the Pops, where we reveal the music of our parents and how it influenced us. But before we get into that, we always kick off the pregame with what we've been listening to or what we've recently picked up. Josh, what in the name of bargain bins have you been buying and listening to? <laughs> Nothing from a bargain bin this week. Uh, I spent I too much you. money on all of this stuff is is what happened. Um, so I got the uh, the new Vinyl Me Please. Uh, I always got to talk about the Vinyl Me Please that comes out. I, I, I seem to have escaped the continuing problems that plague that company. Because uh, the the one I got this month also seemed fine, whereas other people, some well, not everybody, not as many as the Mars Volta one for sure, but some people were complaining. But the the new one is uh, the Grizzly Bear album from two thousand nine. I think I'm saying this right, Vecatomist, uh, which was an album I already owned on CD, and uh, <sighs> that that's it's good, it's definitely of its time. It sounds like two thousand nine indie <laughs> pop rock. Um, sort of in that same vein as Phoenix, or you could kind of say Vampire. You got Grizzly Bear. You got bit. Panda Bear. <laughs> Panda Bear is more electronic, bear. right? I've never really listened to, to, yeah. to Panda Bear too much. But anyway, I, I got that album, and I I, I like that album quite a bit. And the the Vinyl Me Please package for it was was very nice. Uh, you know, they always have picked good colors and all that stuff, so it was hot pink and like a neon orange for the other vinyl and. Uh, if you've never heard Grizzly Bear, their big song Two Weeks is sort of the the one to check out. Uh it's been not that song. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's, That's a one, week. To one week. It's the sequel. <laughs> uh, I will say, by the way, uh I, I will also plug though, there's a awesome mashup of Grizzly Bear Two Weeks and the Dead Prez hip hop. And it's, it's pretty sweet. Um, anyway, other than that, I went to our local record store, Heavy Heads. And the first time I went there, 
Uh, I picked up Tom Petty Full Moon Fever on vinyl, which I also already had on CD and uh, just saw it there and decided to get that. And you're right. It is a great pickup. Um, I think Matt could do a whole bonus episode on like what's the best Jeff Lynn uh, traveling Wilburys album of that era because there's that one and there's the George Harrison one. Yeah, and Cloud Nine is great. And- yeah. Um, but then I, I went back to Heavy Heads later um, because when I was there getting Full Moon Fever, I had mentioned to the owner that I wished I would have gotten a Grateful Dead album. Logan. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you just going that, after all their stuff now? And uh, Well, I no. So the, the one that I had seen at the record show that I wanted, uh, I'd mentioned to Chris, the owner of Heavyheads, that one time I had seen it in there and I wish I would have gotten it. And he was like, I think I have one in the back. And he went and pulled it out. And sure enough, he did. But he said he needed to price it. So I came back later to get it and ended up getting that, which uh, that album is uh, Skull and Roses or... Uh, Skull Fuck is what it's called sometimes. <laughs> that was the original Ugh. name Grateful Dead wanted for it. Uh, it's, wow. It's, it's, a, it's a good album, though, man. It's got a Wharf Rat, which is uh, one of my faves. And uh, so while you I know was, that Grateful Dead almost killed Logan, I'm now I'm here. sitting well, here and I'm just getting, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I feel betrayed. Yeah, listen, that's a, uh, there's something I like about it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Not getting in a car with you. I can't say it. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, but while I was picking that album up, I looked over and happened to notice he had a copy of the second Funkadelic album called Free Your Mind and Your Ass Will Follow. And Mm. I never see early Funkadelic anywhere. Uh, Not even represses. It's very difficult to find um, due to some rights issues. And so... He had that one. It was a pressing by Four Men with Beards. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that. Label. Oh yeah, they did the um, the Maggot Brain pressing. That yes, they do lots of. Or I don't know if they still are around, but they used to do lots of like I don't know limited run stuff of like albums that are hard to find. Because I have a Big Star um, number one record by them, and uh, so I got that Funkadelic Free Your Mind, Your Ass Will Follow, and then. Uh, it's pretty good. It's not my favorite Funkadelic, but it's it's a good one. So those four things, which I spent too much money on, that's what I've uh, mm. been listening to lately, though. Uh, you know, just just grooving out to some some dead, you know, being a deadhead over here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, Matt, what have you been listening to? You picked anything up lately? Uh, n- no pickups, but um, finally got a chance to get through something that had kind of been on my list for a while, and that is uh, the Boston Act uh, Swirlies. Um, I don't remember where I'd heard about them. I think it was, uh, you know, some somebody on Twitter who was like a journalist, but also. Uh, you know, we'll kind of have one-off opinions about, uh, or, you know, talk, talk about old bands. This is their, uh, I listened to Blonder Tongue Audio Baton, which was their, uh, their 1993 release. And, um, really interesting. Uh, I think I said that they're out of Boston, kind of a, a, a perfect mashup, um, you know, equal parts, Sonic Youth, and also, uh, Built to Spill, you know, so kind of a more... Hmm. Uh, more lo-fi melodic Sonic Youth, um, you know, but but re- really interesting. I listened while I was mowing again, uh, w- which has kind of uh, kind of been my go-to for a while. But um, 
you know, well worth the time and, and, uh, definitely will be, uh, continuing on, um, you know, checking out some of their other stuff. Looks like they've got, um, albums on, on either side of that. That was their, their second album, the, the Blonder Tongue Audio Baton. And then they had, um, another one in, in 96 and 98. So, uh, so they, they had some output on, uh, on Tang Records. <laughs> Wait, T- why'd you draw it out? How many because A's are there? <laughs> Uh, well, it, it's two A's and an exclamation mark on <laughs> Tang. on Tang. Okay, uh, which uh, is also right. based in Bo- in Boston. But uh, yeah, I would I would highly recommend if you like Sonic Youth, if you like Built to Spill, was kind of the other vibe I got. If you like, uh, you know, Pavement, like it, it's it's definitely in that. I vein. like all those. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, as a girl vocalist, uh, they, they, uh, they even had a little bit of My Bloody Valentine uh, sound mm. to them. You know, not as dense, but lots of like playing a jazz master, you know, and working the whammy bar while you're strumming. Uh, th- lots of that going on. So so definitely right up my alley and, and uh, maybe up your alley as well. I don't know much about the, the Boston music scene other than I think Mission of Burma are from Boston. That's about it <laughs> well, pixies are from massachusetts oh, at least right. right yeah yeah, yeah I, think er, right. I think that's correct okay so are they of as swirlies of that same uh, that same music scene as pixies were then i'm guessing or is it uh, is it a bigger music scene than a probably i'm used to like springfield size music scenes where everyone knows <laughs> each other i'm guessing it was probably so a little enough, bigger yeah. than that no, no intel on on uh, their their integration in the uh, in the Boston scene. Look like they've been around since you know starting in in 1990 and uh, released five albums from 93 to 03. But yeah, mm-hmm. just kind of had had heard them. You know, highly recommended from somebody who, uh, even though I don't remember who it was, I remember that it was someone who I whose opinion I trusted, and and uh, and they didn't uh, they didn't steer me awry. I, before we move on, I do have to bring up, I'm looking at their Wikipedia page, and under genres, it says indie rock, lo-fi, shoegaze, and then chimp rock. <laughs> what? what the hell is chimp rock? I do not know. Never heard of that genre. That's a good question. I don't know. Um, I don't have much, um, and for once, the wife and I did not spend ourselves broke over the last few weeks on vinyl, so we got that going for us. Um what I've been streaming, uh, I kind of just uh, just started to listen to Brainiac, which I was <laughs> turned on to through um, Josh's Halloween mix, um, and it's pretty interesting stuff. So far, I listened to what I think is their debut album. It's called like Smack Bunny Baby, I think. They're mm. really weird. Um, and I also listened to what I think is their last albums. I think they only had a few between like 93 and 97. One of Cedric's favorite bands. Yeah, yeah. And you can you can hear the influence a little bit. Um, you can definitely hear how like all rock music after them kind of owes a little bit of something to them. Um, but I couldn't believe I had never even heard of the band. Like, that blew me away. Um, a, uh, a synth poppy type band called Magdalena Bay. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of them, but I recommend them if that's if that's your kind of thing. Um, also I, uh, I'll get made fun of, but I listened to, uh, the album, the wall, uh, top to bottom for the first time in my life. <laughs> going to give hey, you a swirly uh, now, like the band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Never too late. I, I've been researching the downward spiral, and in order to do that, I needed to uh, learn about one of its biggest influences, the wall, uh, in addition to David Bowie's low. Um, and yeah, I, I, I liked it. Um, in the flesh. In the flesh. <laughs> in the flesh rules. It's way, it's so way which version of it? Both. There Listen, are, the whole album, okay. T, T to B, boy. Top to bottom. Yeah. It was way more like uh, musical theater than I, than I thought yeah. it would be. Um, yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's. A, it's like, yeah, it's it's more like a it's more like a uh, a musical than it is like a, a a concept album or your average rock opera. Anyway, um, good stuff. On vinyl, we we did get uh, Doctor Dre's The Chronic, which was a Target release recently. Really. Um, and it's, it's fucking awesome. It sounded really good. Probably the most fun thing I have to share, um, speaking of Trent Reznor, Jessica ordered a bootleg 7-inch of Option 30, which is was one of Trent Reznor's many <clears throat> early bands in the 80s. And they kind of played, uh, they kinda sounded a little bit like the police and kind of played white person faux reggae. Huh. Uh, if, you ha- if you haven't heard Option 30... Uh, give it a give it a spin. It, it you'll 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 get a little laugh out of it. Are they? They're, they're not terrible. Ace of bass like? No, they're more police like. Yeah, the, the, they're closer to police than Ace of bass. Ace of bass is a lot more fun. <laughs> I I gotta admit, this is an interesting little little white marbled bootleg disc though, uh, with some uh, old photography of Trent and the gang on on the center sticker, and then it just came in a, a generic white paper sleeve so there's there's no outer sleeve on this thing and finally uh a major music acquisition i got was finally the super seven company uh mailed me my uh ghost action figure of papa emeritus the first ayo oh yeah and uh it's a pretty epic fig if i must say um i put a little bit a few photos of it online i should i should post some to our stuff but uh you can choose two different uh frocks to him to we- for him to wear <laughs> are, um, so are, do they are they actually called referred to as frocks because that's i i don't know what, what does a what does a uh a, a pope or a cardinal ro- wear i don't know what a robe dress robes or is that yeah. such a thing <laughs> the really really fancy formal robes. robes he comes with he comes with the cool mic stand um yeah, Does he have uh, switchable heads? Yeah. Well, you can switch between the the white pope hat and the black pope hat. It would be it'd be cooler if you could switch between like all three, Papa two, like all of them. yeah, all there now go. there are four four papas and yeah. one cardinal. Yeah. What's going on? I'm seeing a um, a, a bishop cassock. It's the it's okay. The, the, oh, a cassock. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I think I've I that word was maybe in there <laughs> in the description, but um. Anyway, the uh, new Ghost song "Hunter's Moon" is pretty good, and I'm excited for the new Ghost LP that's supposedly coming out. So, yeah, right on. That's all I got. Well, uh, Josh, I also received my VMP final, and it was Grizzly Bear because I forgot to uh, <laughs> choose something else. Uh, so I'm hoping that they just let me send it back and like pick something else, but I, I haven't really looked into that yet. Yeah. So I have that to figure out. Um, 
so I did get a package in the mail that I was very much anticipating. It was, it's the Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake original soundtracks for the MSX systems, which were not released, or, I mean, they were, I guess there was some that were released in America, but it, that wasn't a, a computer that was very popular here. Um, but I got these soundtracks because they're really great. Uh, the first one is uh, from 1987, and there was like three composers on that. There was Iku Mizutani, Shigeru Takanuchi, and Motoaki Furukawa. But I really enjoyed that. But it came, it's like a 10 inch record, so it's smaller. So I don't have any sleeves or anything to, uh, I need to order some to get it. To oh, no. But yeah, uh, I don't, I don't come in contact with too many of them. But then uh, the second uh, soundtrack, which I got, the Solid Snake one, was what I was most excited about because the, it's considered one of the, best 8-bit games ever made but it wasn't officially huh. released in america until much later and it it comes in one with uh metal gear solid 3 subsistence um on playstation 2 and some other platforms but you get to play these older games and man they're great but i have a i have a clip of from uh metal gear 2 that i want to share Wait. I don't know. I just thought that's uh just that's dope. really cool. Uh, yeah, I've I've never gotten into the the video like that genre of music, but I definitely get the appeal of it. Like you, it, you know, I love chip tune, and, and oh that yeah, was, that was pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, it's highly recommend those. So then I kind of sent this to you guys because I had not heard of this, but I came across <laughs> this video of Megaforce, which is apparently a movie from 1982. Yeah, and it, it's just directed by like. A stunt man, a former stunt man. Mm -hmm. uh, what was his name? I think it was Hal Needham. Uh, but it's crazy. I guess it was supposed to be like the next Star Wars, and they were going yeah. to make all these crazy vehicles, and the heroes were going to win, and they were going to franchise it, have toys, and it was going to be the big. They're going to do three movies or something like that. <laughs> and the hero is Ace Hunter. And what's crazy is I noticed that on the movie poster the megaforce font i think is pretty much the same as the metal gear font from the mm. first game so i oh, i find kismet. that to be interesting uh or just a ripoff but this video it shows this guy on a motorcycle <laughs> that turns into a, a fucking airplane <laughs> like with wings it's, it's that a comes, transformer and it's just like the uh, the effects are so bad. It just looks so dated. <laughs> but when he like rears up and then he spits out all this steam out the back of her, like, boom, boom, you know, <laughs> it's just so cartoonish. And there's these guys that are in the plane and they've opened the back hatch and they're trying to get him to come in, fly into the back hatch of this. Meanwhile, it sounds like sticks or journey is like <laughs> playing this crazy song, but it turns out it's this band called seven Oh seven. And I have a clip of them. Uh, again, this is a, uh, clip of mega force. <laughs> sounds 
like Rush. That rocks. Uh, it's crazy. I have you guys heard of this? No. no. Okay. I, good. I don't feel I, so bad. I do wonder if. I mean, I think there's a lot of things like this, but um, in GTA Five, there's the the enforcer bike you can get that like has the wings that come out and you fly uh, yeah. in there. It's like a motorcycle. I wondered if the I could see the GTA Five developers being like, watch this really dumb movie from the '80s and kind of take that yeah. concept. Yeah. That's that's the closest I've ever seen to what you sent us, which was it's, insane. It's like G.I. Joe or Mask, if you remember. Yeah, um, I remember Mask. Uh, it's crazy, all these vehicles and everything. But uh, yeah, I'm going to have to find that movie and watch it because it looks ridiculous. And also, I like when he does a barrel roll while <laughs> flying the motorcycle. Well, and I love that it, the, it, it's intercut with shots of people watching him with like yeah. absolute glee, just like yeah, they're like fucking we go, need this guy. performance to be bigger, bigger. <laughs> Barry Boswick, uh, but he was he was in the Barry Boswick. Yeah, he, <laughs> that's he's the the star of the movie. He's the hero, oh, Ace Hunter, and he was in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, and also. Wasn't there a TV show? He, he was, was the on? mayor on Spin City as yes, well, which is that. how I know Barry Boswick because <laughs> I'm a huge dork. But that's what I was reaching for. That was the yeah. show I was trying to. Yeah. So it, that that's been on my playlist a lot. But uh, also, I've listened to Fang Island's self-titled album from 2010. It's another Sergeant House band. They're a Rhode Island band, super energetic indie math, rope swing into a creek kind of band. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they're they're pretty cool. Um, also, Josh, today I mm. went to stick it and I found a copy of Dead or Alive: Mad, Bad, and Dangerous oh, to Know from 1986. Yeah, has something in my house, but I got home and I listened to it, and it's not like the radio edit or whatever. Oh. It's like the ex- I don't know. It's just this. Is the rest mix. of that album okay? Because that, that that was sort of what I was wondering. Is like, what's it's, the rest of the Dead or Alive catalog? Uh, we, it's kind of a cut and paste kind of thing. Uh, it's a lot of the same kind of stuff and formula. Uh, okay. It's it's not great, yeah. but it's it's great to have on in the background and just kind of dancing around. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, last, I cleaned a record for a client, and he he it was uh, the Shining soundtrack from nineteen eighty. That's which nice. Is a highly sought after record, and uh, I had to listen to it a little bit to see how it cleaned up, which it cleaned up really nice, I think. And, uh, but yeah, that brought me back and is, uh, great. As we're finishing up Halloween, I had to get a little bit more in, I guess. So anyway, that's what I've been listening to. So let's, uh, move on to our next topic, which is top of the mom and the pops. Top, top, top of the mom and the pops. Top, top, top of the mom and the pops. And we're Ooh. going to be talking about the music that our mom or our dad, uh, what they listen to, or maybe they 
what they passed on to us, um, anything that you listened to today that has made its way into your favorites. Uh, Josh, why don't you uh, lead us off, and uh, I'll go last for this one. But uh, what what kind of music did your parents uh, pass on to you? Well, I, I went ahead and I did do a top five here, but I'm not going to necessarily talk about all of them. But I kind of realized after I was putting it together, it's fairly split even. Um, so my mom, there's something I got to tell you guys. It's unfortunate. Mattery knows this, I'm sure. I was almost named Barry. <laughs> I, I <laughs> didn't know that. I it was because that. my mom loved Barry Manilow. Oh. And Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees. Now, I will say, two yeah, two berries of the 70s. Um, neither of those artists, I feel like, have made it, their way into my repertoire. But when I think about what my mom listens to, those two loom large. But also uh, two other kind of B acts, which are the Beach Boys and the Beatles. And I feel like that's probably going to be a crossover with a few others of us here because... Our parents are all roughly of a similar generation, and obviously Beach Boys and yeah. Beatles were big artists uh, when they were younger. So those two for sure, you know, my mom always loved, and I feel like passed on to me probably the Beatles earlier. You know, uh, I feel like a lot of people, when you're in middle school, you start to kind of go through a, a Beatles phase, and maybe you move on from it, and sometimes you come back to it, and Definitely, that was the case for me. Um, the Beach Boys took me a little while longer because um, I had such a knee-jerk reaction to just being like, uh, I don't like this. And then later mm -hmm. on in life, uh, listening like pet sounds and stuff, and I kind of got a little bit more into them. So I definitely feel like those two artists from my mom um, have have kind of informed a lot of my music sensibility. Uh, and then on my dad's side, my dad was always a, a big country guy. And when I think of the country, he listened to well, the one name that pops out is Willie Nelson. Um, heard a lot of Willie Nelson growing up, uh, huh. a little bit of, of Merle Haggard, but mostly Willie Nelson. He was into that kind of outlaw country genre of, of the seventies and, you know, uh, Willie's one of those guys that, again, like the Beach Boys, sort of had a knee-jerk reaction when I was younger to just being like, well, that's old music that's not great. And then as I got older, you know, you find albums that kind of make you realize that there's more artistic depth there than maybe you gave it credit for originally. So for Willie Nelson, it was a redheaded stranger when I heard that album. Um realizing, oh, there's a lot more going on here. Um, but the other name that I have to throw out there with, uh, you know, from my dad, that's a big one, uh, is Guy Clark. And probably of all of the artists that I have on my list here, Guy Clark is like the one that isn't very well known compared to the others, relative to the others, and also is the one that... I may not have gotten into if not for my dad. So Guy Clark, um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned him on the show before, but he's a contemporary of Towns Van Zant. Um, he's a singer songwriter from the, the seventies who uh, was good friends with Towns. Um, in fact, lived with Towns Van Zant for a while. Uh, Guy Clark and his wife, uh, Susanna Clark and Towns all lived together for quite a while. And in fact, 
Susanna said that Towns was like her soulmate, but she was married to Guy Clark. I don't know what was going on there. Um, <laughs> there's apparently a documentary about Guy Clark that just came out that I need to see. But uh, my dad listened to basically the, the greatest hits of Guy Clark, which was a, a compilation that came out in the early 80s that it, it's kind of funny. It's called The Greatest Hits, but in reality, it's just the first two Guy Clark albums from the, the 70s <laughs> combined. Um, and I remember listening to those songs quite a bit when I was younger, in addition to a couple others that I think my dad had from a tape a friend had made for him, including one called Homegrown Tomatoes. That when I was a little kid, I loved Homegrown Tomatoes, that song. Um, just a fun kind of almost novelty song. But anyway, uh, later on in life, then picked up the first Guy Clark album, Old Number One, which is a really good album. Uh, it has uh, um, Desperado's Waiting on a Train and um, why am I blanking on the uh, L.A. Freeway? I was yeah. like, I'm totally blanking yeah. on the big hit, uh, L.A. Freeway which is a great song. And so Guy Clark, I think it's probably the one that I would say is the, the most kind of obscure, so to speak, uh, that was passed on. And then for my other one on here, I, I, I'm kind of bending your rules a little bit, Logan. So my brother's eight years older than I am. And in a lot of ways, when it comes to my musical taste, I feel like he kind of shaped a lot of that. Uh, being we could have a whole older. separate episode. I know. So it could siblings. be to top of the, the brother. So I just had to, to throw in there that, uh, you know, there's a lot of different bands my brother got me into because he was a teenager in the early 90s. But uh, the one thing that came to mind was I remember him making me a Smashing Pumpkins mixtape. And I feel like that definitely was one that he passed on to me because I had this mixtape that was really just made up of uh, Siamese Dream and Melancholy and I think a little bit of Pisces Iscariot in there and uh, really uh, got me into them so I would say that that's sort of my top five uh, of the mom and pops and and brother um, yeah so Matt what uh, what music did you get from your moms and pops uh, a lot of stuff. I I, I do want to say real quickly. You mentioned you mentioned the pumpkins. Yeah. I ran into somebody the other day. Uh, he was wearing a melancholy shirt, and, and um, you know, I said, "Oh, hey, hey, nice shirt," and didn't realize that he was also wearing. Uh, I guess you can. They are selling zero sweatpants. Like, oh yeah, the, the, everybody's uh, got sweatpants. The, zero the, uh, brand. Yeah, yeah, and he had he had sweatpants and a hoodie. He was he was fully. Uh, fully wow. adorned wow. in in pumpkin wear uh, in Springfield. In yeah, yeah, it, it was uh, it, it was a um, what the college what age but, bracket we talking? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, twenty okay. to twenty five probably. Huh. But um, uh, yeah, I, I was I was just very pleased that one, you know, someone still liked uh, the pumpkins enough to uh, to to buy the sweatpants, and and also I just at the existence <laughs> of the sweatpants. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Probably uh, got it from his parents. <laughs> yeah, that's passed, true. Yeah. Passed <laughs> pumpkins yeah. passed down because they're generational, you know? Certainly could be. Um, but uh, speaking of uh, generational um, musical uh, influence chains, um, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the music that I heard growing up uh, was riding around uh with my dad and he had a bunch of cassette tapes and we you know we listened to all the uh 
you know, all of these cassette tapes that he had certain, you know, surely taped from somebody's albums, uh, you know, at some point or, or earlier before I was born, you know, it, which would be something that, that dad would do. But, um, the one that I, you know, the ones that I remember most were, it had, uh, one side was Sergeant Pepper and the other side was for some reason, let it be, uh, and, you know, it had a, uh, you know, certainly a lot of other Beatles, but that was the, the, the tape that I remember because at the very end of uh, A Day in the Life, when they, when they let that cord hang out, uh, the loop, they, they then went to like dial tone or, you know, like it was a, you know, call be caller number nine on our, uh, <laughs> uh, our, our trip through the Beatles, um, so, so he probably taped it off a radio station that played it all the way through. Uh, yeah, that weird. I guess that one was was off the, yeah. was off the radio. But um, but it, uh, amongst these other tapes were uh, Neil Young. I don't remember listening to the Neil Young tape as much, but uh, but remember uh, you know it being in the mix. And then um, so just a lot of classic you know classic rock you know with with Dad in 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 the truck. And, um, you know, as Josh certainly knows, and I think everyone else knows, I, I did musicals as a kid and, you know, uh, mom, uh, was, you know, involved in that, uh, uh, quite a, quite a bit. And, you know, she was, uh, uh, is a, uh, at the time and still is a fan of musicals. And, um, the one that I remember the most is whenever, uh, the sound of music was on. We, you know, we would always, uh, always have to stop, you know, stop what you're doing for, for Shawshank Redemption and the sound of music uh, is, is how, how that works. You know, I want to see a the, musical it, version of Shawshank, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> you know, dude, that would rock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so pleased at, at, at what a sublime idea that is. I'm, 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 I'm struck dumb, but, uh, but yeah, um, sound of music, uh, you know, with, with mom and, and other musicals too. Uh, the, the very first CD, uh, CD we ever bought as a family, I have talked about, uh, the first CD I bought was blues traveler, but the first CD that we bought mm -hmm. as a family was the lion King soundtrack. So, you know, oh. uh, you know, more, more theatrical kind of. Uh, kind of sounds to them. We when did you guys get your first CD players? I'm I'm curious because because we got ours pretty late, like 1994 or five, probably. I was like 94 ish. Yeah. Okay. But I, I got mine remember. in 96. Yeah, I think mine was also filtered through my brother. I remember him getting a Discman and Stone Temple Pilots uh, on CD, and that was like the first CD mm. we had in the house. So. Mm. I should I should clarify. My parents had one long before, like okay. a hi-fi one that yeah. I was not allowed to use. I got my own ninety-four ish. My hmm. mine yeah, was we... ninety ninety-five. It was uh August ninety-five for Batman Forever. Mm. Oh, nice. We were a cassette tape household uh, pr prior to. Yeah. So, speaking of speaking of young folks and generational stuff, uh, just as an aside, my the other podcast I do with my wife nailed. We we speak to a lot of. Um, zoomer listeners and they'll they'll say things like yeah my mom and dad got me into deftones <laughs> i'm just like what the hell <laughs> what year is this what century is this um and it blows me away because i had such a a wildly different experience um 
I grew up kind of like, if my parents like it, I don't like it. That was kind of my attitude. But I, I, so, something seeped in. I Kind of going through this, I realized that both to my mom and to my dad, who like different stuff, female pop vocalists were very important to both my mom and my dad. And I'm, I'm sitting around here like in my 30s being like, isn't it funny and strange how <laughs> I listen to so much female pop vocal music i'm a little weird huh i wonder where that came from probably nowhere um and if i would if i would just reflect the tiniest bit i i guess it was ingrained from me from the youngest of ages um so my mom um my mom and my dad neither of them really had a cool bone in their body but um my mom is a was always a musical person um she sang she sings uh, and always saying, um, and my dad could not carry a tune with a gun to his head. Um, my mom, uh, I remember a lot of Amy Grant being played in the household, uh, for what seemed like my entire early childhood, uh, especially when it was like December for that whole month, it was like the first two Amy Grant Christmas albums would be played ad nauseum. And, um, at that i believe at that point she had two now she has like 12 um and baby baby i'll hear an amy grant yeah <laughs> that, that her pop album and then her, her christmas stuff too again I, I can appreciate a, a grant banger from from time to time so something got through to me there um she was into the carpenters uh which uh is a a a group uh i respect but it's not like i sit around listening to them I know she liked the Judds. Um, My mom so, does you know, too. <laughs> she loved yeah, the Judds. <laughs> I, it's a mom. It's a mom thing. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, the, these uh, strong female vocals. They. Uh, it, it's kind of a running theme. Um, she liked other bad country, probably like Faith Hill and shit, and uh, stuff like Harry Connick Jr. Stuff I have less than no interest in. <laughs> um, my dad. He, uh, I remember when he got uh, the first album by pop singer Robin. He uh, played that CD uh, practically till it melted, and I guess that did something to my brain. Uh, <laughs> I, I love Robin. I don't like that debut album, but when she was kind of free of record company constraints, she got a lot better. And uh, man, I, I think she's the best. Um, a funny thing my dad was super into was the debut album from Des Ray. Remember her? Hey, I like that song. <laughs> that one hit song she yeah. had. Gotta be. You gotta be. Yeah. You gotta be is good. <laughs> Des Ray is weird. It's so weird oh, how my dad would just. Yes. You gotta it be. took me a minute, but yes, that song rules. Yeah. And it has a yeah a few other songs on there. Um, that was, was played ad nauseum. He would also play uh, Katie Seagal's solo album. <laughs> what? I didn't know there that, was one. Oh, she has uh, she has a few. Um okay. huh. but there, she tried to be a nice. thing in like 94 or 5. Uh it didn't really catch on and she kind of stuck to TV after that. But uh yeah, that one I I didn't wasn't into as much, but he he was very into the Katie Seagal album. Uh early on, he he was an early adopter of Nirvana's Nevermind mm. for some reason. He would blast that one. I think that's one that my mom hated, but when he he could uh so so that one got into my into my veins at, at an early age. Um one that I 
don't like so much uh, is the debut L- LP uh, from Counting Crows, August and Everything After. He played that to death. Um, I I could probably go the rest of my life without hearing Counting Crows again. <laughs> people <laughs> love thing. that album, by the way. I know some people yeah. that love that album too, and I've yeah, I've I never gotten too. into Counting Crows well, at all. My dad wouldn't wouldn't fucking turn it off. Where'd so. he land on the wallflowers? <laughs> it seems uh, like a I think Mr. Walker I think band. he liked that. Oh, he did. He had the debut Wallflowers. He liked that one. I had that. It's a good record. Um, Still do. I mean, it, everybody had that. It sold like a trillion copies. <laughs> um, later in life, I, I did uh, steal my dad's Led Zeppelin box set. So mm. that's kind of something he passed on to me. Um, and just a, as an update uh, to like, wh- 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 where's my dad's taste now? Um, Jessica and I did did tell him that we are going to see a, a Dua Lipa and he was like, she's cool. <laughs> so I guess he's still on that bullshit. So <laughs> uh, even though we're, we are really not alike in, in many ways, we, we do have, have that, that weird uh, appetite for, for pop music. Mm, nice. Very cool. Yeah. Well, my, my parents always had the radio on or were always spinning records when I was a kid. My, my mom's brother owned a record store here in Springfield called Spin Again, so he was always, you know, passing music on to her, and and we in turn would hear it. Um, my mom played violin and piano, and I would often hear my dad singing in local theater productions. So uh, I had a lot of background in musicals as well. So I, I share that <laughs> with you, Matt. Um, I remember my dad was in in the King and I, and uh, I was also in that. And so I back King, King and I soundtrack. Yep. Lake of the Ozarks. Well, when they also oh, had yeah. theaters, because I remember when the lake also had theaters in addition to Branson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I heard all that kind of stuff growing up, but uh, some of the notable groups that my my parents listened to then I remember hearing were, you know, Elvis. Uh, I know my dad really likes the Stray Cats, uh, the Ramones, the Go-Go's. Of course, Beach Boys, The Beatles, uh, Michael Jackson, Neil Young, Linda Ronstadt, David Bowie, Pink Floyd, and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I think I've mentioned how my mom got me into Jean-Michel Jarre, Oxygen, which we talked yeah. about on our Pure yeah. Moods Volume 1 episode. So go back and listen to that. Uh, however, there was one group that my mom introduced me to that really broke through uh, to me, and that was Craftworks Man Machine album. Um, my mom played that for me one rainy afternoon, and I remember just being totally captivated by it. It sounded like robots from the future. And I think she also had Autobahn, but I don't remember her playing that ever. Uh, yet Man Machine is carried over into my adulthood, and 10-plus years ago or more, I started really getting it back into craft work and, and picking up vinyl. And I would say that they're in my top 10 artists of all time now. And uh, this is a, you know, a clip from uh, The Robots, Man Machine. Charging power victory And now we are full of energy We are the robots We are the robots We 
that was a big influence on me and it was such a huge influence that I think maybe it's a great time to announce that my artist pick for season two is <laughs> Merle Haggard. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, craft work. <laughs> so I am picking craft work, not Merle Haggard. Uh, so they have about 10 albums and I will be breaking them down into two parts. Uh, part one will feature craft works debut, their self-titled debut through radioactivity. And this will be about four episodes and then I'll feature a, a palette cleanser of, you know, something different and we'll move on to Josh's pick. But I'll pick up with Craftwork Part 2 in Season 3 with uh, Trans Europe Express through Tour de France soundtracks. So, I know that's kind of a bold choice, but I truly feel like their discography is worth it and needs to be done upright. So, I hope that you all are excited for the journey. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be discussing 1970s Craftwork and 1972's Craftwork 2. And you can find those on YouTube and YouTube Music, or if you can track down a, a you know an old copy. But otherwise, you're looking at bootlegs. So... All right. Well, it, does anybody have anything else? My parents would rather eat glass than listen to something like Kraftwerk. How did you get such cool parents? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine my parents listen to Kraftwerk either. <laughs> well, I, I, I lucked out. Um, well, so, while I was listening to Sister Act, <laughs> Logan, Logan was listening to Kraftwerk. I, I like Sister Act, though. There's no I do, too. I was still listening to Sister Matt's Act. next pick, Sister Act soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the discography I, of Whoopi. I was Warren so Bill there. was in Sister Act, too. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the habit. <laughs> Speak, speaking of, uh, of vestments. Yeah. All right. We'll see you All next right. week. Kraftwerk. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys.